Hey, y'all. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. It's Tuesday, which means I have a conversation for you. This week, Chrissy Metz. She is one of the stars of one of the biggest shows on TV right now. This Is Us, that NBC family drama. Chrissy plays Kate on the show. Her character deals with weight issues and the trials of trying to start a family and the pain of losing a parent. Here's a little clip of the show, just a little sneak peek of how emotional this show can be. You remember the carnival that would come to town every summer with those old roller coasters? Oh, I loved riding those with you. I'm feeling so scared but so safe all at the same time. I've been holding on to that feeling for a really long time now. That feeling of you next to me. Ooh. But Dad, I'm getting married today. Ooh. And I've got to make room. I've got to make room for Toby. So I've got to, I've got to let go a little now. Her character's plotline like just about all of the other plot lines on that show, it frequently leaves millions of Americans, including myself, in tears pretty much every week. Chrissy Metz is now trying to make us all smile, though. She has a new book out. It is half memoir, half very uplifting kind of self-help book. The book is called This Is Me, Loving the Person You Are Today. Chrissy writes about her childhood. She writes about growing up in a trailer park in Florida. She writes about how she only had 81 cents in her bank account before she got her role on This Is Us. And this was years after being in L.A., questioning if she'd ever really get to act at all. There are also some hilarious dating stories in the book as well. So basically, Chrissy shared a lot in that book and with me. And for that reason, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. All right, here's me talking to Chrissy Metz. She was in St. Paul, Minnesota at a stop on her book tour. Enjoy it. Oh, my goodness. There you are. It is it's so me. great to hear your voice. I'm such a fan. Oh, thank you. And your book had me rolling. You are funny. Oh, well, you sound so surprised, but thank you. Well, because you never know, right? Because it's like... No, you don't. With actors and actresses... All that we see of them is, like, them on TV or them in that movie. Right. And you relate to them, but you're also like, oh, it's a role. And so on the show, you seem super sweet. But, like, in the book, I was like, oh, she's actually super sweet. Oh, well, yeah. And it's funny because people do... You know, they're like always so shocked. They're like, oh, you are you are funny. And I thought that comedy was going to be my thing. Huh. But it just turns out that I'm doing just very dramatic roles. So which I love, but I do have another side to me for sure. So you're saying at some point you're going to have a Netflix comedy special. I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, potentially. I would Put it out that. there. Manifest it. Right. Um, so, hey, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're super busy. You're on book tour. And I am going everywhere. So where are you today? I am in St. Paul. Okay. We just flew in from Chicago. Prior to Chicago, we were in um, Birmingham, Alabama. My mother's from there. Oh, they are like the sweetest people. Right. I mean, I'm from Florida, and so I know what Southern people are like. But mm-hmm. it was like a whole new, whole new level. It was so sweet, and had some pecan pie and uh-huh. some barbecue. It was really look at yeah. You. We had a good time. Look at you. So is. I was finishing up your book yesterday, and this morning I did a thing that you say in your book that we should all start our days doing. I woke up, and before I got out of bed, I closed my eyes and spent like 10 or 15 seconds thinking about what I'm grateful for. Oh, my gosh. That makes me so happy. And I just sat there, and I said, huh, I am grateful 
that I have somewhere to live. Right. You forget about that. You do. You forget about the electricity, the the stuff that we, you know, all take for granted because we're like, oh, a flip of a switch. Exactly. It's kind of amazing. I mean, if you stay consistent with the gratitude and it's kind of amazing how much of a shift it will make in your life. No, totally. And so your book is full of this kind of, I'm not going to call it a self-help book. I'm going to call it a, I guess, what would you call the book? It's kind of half memoir, half like tips for a better life. What is it? Yeah, I mean, it's really just my story, and I wanted to pay it forward in the way that I've been, you know, so graciously taught in many ways on how how do we come out of the other side of, you know, a tragedy or even a triumph, and, like, how do we move through that? And so people are saying self-help, people are saying memoir, I'm saying this is my story, I don't, whatever you'd like to call it, it's fine with me. What made you feel comfortable writing a book like this right now? Because it is like part memoir and part self-help, you are, one, laying out your whole life for all of us to read. And two, saying to other folks, I can tell you how to live a better life. Both of those things take some gumption, no? Yes. Thank you. And I agree. Um, I didn't think I wanted to write a book. I was sort of approached by it by one of my agents. And I was like, I don't have any. What do you? What? I've, (laughs) I've been in the business like for X years. And I don't know if I have any wisdom or stories or anything exciting to share there and she's like everybody wants to hear about your life and mm. i'm like i don't think so but okay <laughs> and then when i sort of would meet these whether they were fans or to become my friends or just random people who were so impacted by of course the character and then when they got to know me in, in you know some capacity they were like how did you how did you get to this place in your life because on paper it doesn't really make sense yeah like i didn't go to an art school i didn't come you know i came from very humble beginnings and so um i thought oh maybe i do have something to share maybe there are bursts of like hope and encouragement that you know no matter where you come from or who you are you can really have what you want and so i was like okay people are interested okay i'll do it and then it was really scary because it became real yeah and it's still really scary because every time I go to share the story or talk about it, I'm like, oh, what the, is this the right thing? I don't know. And, and you like reopen that can of worms. Like yeah. you re- like Because you talk about some trauma that you've experienced in the book, throughout the book. Yeah. And I'm sure on yeah. this book tour, you're bringing those things up every stop. Yeah. And what I, what I realize is that we are so much more alike than we are different. And mm-hmm. we're all going through something. Yeah. And so by being really vulnerable and courageous and just sharing my truth... It allows other people to do so, and I think that, you know, that's part of the reason why we're here on this planet mm-hmm. is to help one another and to be of service, and so... Um, so to put it out there. It's difficult, though. It's definitely not easy. What What part of the book was the most difficult to write? I'm thinking of a lot of the stuff I read when you're describing your upbringing where it was, it was tough, hard stuff. What was the hardest to write about? Yeah, you know, I think it was really difficult to write about my stepfather, and I hemmed and I hawed about it, and I was like... Your stepfather, his name is Trigger. Is this... Yeah, I'm like, is this important? Is it going to help anybody? What's my intention behind it? And the whole intention was that that chapter was about forgiveness, and it doesn't matter. I mean, yes, people can do some really terrible, hateful, seemingly unforgivable things, but I think that forgiveness is so important, and if not for the other person, but for yourself... And so that's what that chapter was about and the reason why I wanted to share that story, even though the press wants, you know, everybody to think that 
he's a terrible person, which is not true. And we have a great relationship and he apologized. And if they read the book, yeah. instead of just, you know, putting in the one or two sentences that are just the clickbait, they would know. Um, but it, it is really uncomfortable to, to share that stuff. And I had no idea how he would receive it. And so it's been interesting. And he's been okay with it? You know, I think he feels a bit slighted in that he he's just like, well, why didn't you tell me about it? And why didn't you tell me that you're writing about it? And my thing is, if I told every single person about what I was writing about, I would have been so concerned about their feelings mm. that I wouldn't be able to express my own. And mm. it's not their book. It's your book. <laughs> it's my book. <laughs> and I rarely do that. I really, I mean, I'm still learning healthy boundaries mm. and it's still uncomfortable. Yeah. I think this is why, and not to say that I'm a victim, but I think this is why victims don't speak out and they don't share these, you know, really hard tragedies because people shame them about them or they don't want to accept responsibility for their actions. Mm -hmm. And so, but because he had and he apologized, I was like, oh, this is going to be a great story that I think a lot of people could relate to. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Did you change the names? Um, yes. It's stated in the book that there are some names that have been changed. Not all, but some. Huh. Okay. You're nosy. I sure am. So it's an <laughs> journalist yo i gotta know i appreciate that because i was like the story. well because i was like this this dude Derek. if i ever run across him in gainesville he's gonna get a piece of my mind oh well you know what you saw him he, grown up I, I read that i sure did i sure did so we should back up um so for those that haven't read the oh, yeah. book yet um when you were what what were you like right about to be in high school yeah the, like 14, yeah. just, just about 14. The brother of your best friend at the time, Derek, this mm -hmm. gorgeous baseball player, as you describe mm -hmm. him, he mm -hmm. was into you, but only when no one else was looking. That little right. sack of Privately. stuff. Right. Well, of course, at that time, I mean, I was sort of like a, a wounded puppy. Everything that I was going, it was going on in my life between, you know, my mom remarrying and then my stepfather and puberty and all that stuff was, it's hard. And mm -hmm. then when you're in, secretly in love with your best friend's brother and then he comes on to you, but sec you know, secretly and privately when everybody else is asleep or when no one's watching or, or looking, you're like, well, I guess it's not so bad. At least I have some attention. And then you realize, yeah, this can only last for so long. And I feel terrible. I feel worse, worse yeah. off. And, uh, I mean, you know, we all have things that we go through, especially when we're teenagers, but, it took quite some some time to kind of get over that. And, you know, the cherry on top is seeing him many, many years later. You won. <laughs> well, you know, let's not say okay. we're winning or losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, I mean, you're doing... However... You made it. Yes. Um, and I, I firmly believe that, like, all that really matters is how we treat each other. And karma is a real thing. Yes, it is. Well, I mean, you talk in depth about relationships with men and, you know, getting better at dating and being in love and being in relationships. What is the biggest lesson you've learned through those relationships? Oh, my goodness. The biggest? That's really hard to to put my finger on only because there's so many. I think that every single person comes into our life for a reason and for the lesson um, so I've learned so many lessons, like a ton with, of course, my ex-husband. There were so many times where I was so afraid to like cook dinner or try something new 
or I, I was so, my ego was so afraid of being bruised mm. that I didn't even try. Mm. And all he really wanted was like just the effort. Yeah. You know, he could care less on how the food really tasted. It was more so the effort and, you know, following through on what you say you want to do. And so I was like, you know what? I, I I can't worry about the outcome. I know that like my intention throughout the process and you put love into it, then that's what's important. So many, many lessons. Yeah, yeah. One of which might be be aware of your dietary restrictions before you walk into a date. I'm talking about this skateboarder. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I read the book, Chrissy. I read the book. I, I was LOLing well, so hard. I was LOLing so Well, one, like... The way you write about these men, the military guy on the plane who was trying to, like, join the Mile High Club with you. <laughs> and then the, the, the skateboarder. Tell folks the skateboarder. Well, actually, I'm not going to make you do that. Y'all got to read the book for it. If you want to tell to it, read. you could, but you don't have to. Listen, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say everybody loves a good poop story. Um, but let's be real. Let's like, be real. And that's, a, that's who I am. That's all I know how to be. So, I mean, the best part is that we actually went on a second date. So it wasn't oh, that really? bad. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we should say, okay, to to set folks up. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to be real nice. Go for it. Go ahead. I'm going to be real nice. Uh, okay. <laughs> a professional skater, guessing a good looking dude. You are what? Leaving the grocery store in the morning. You're back in Florida. He literally skates up to your car and was like, hey, yo, what's up? Mm-hmm. And y'all have a date, right? Pizza, beer, and pool. But right, you like have... I'm in college. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you have I wasn't. <laughs> but you have issues with dairy and issues with beer, both together well, or bad. What? You know, it it wasn't cute. It wasn't pretty, and it was very funny. Yes. So read read that chapter, read the book, and uh, I think whether we want to admit it or not, people can relate. So oh, I could listen. I can relate. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. It's so funny that you brought that up. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, time for a break. When we come back, Chrissy Metz talks about meeting Oprah. All right, BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. In 1980, with a few thousand dollars and used dairy equipment, Ken Grossman founded Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Ken's award-winning ales propelled him from home brewer to craft brewer. Today, Ken and his family still own 100% of the company, one of the most successful independent craft breweries in America. More at SierraNevada.com. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa, host of NPR's Latino USA, the podcast that takes you inside the Latino conversation. Each week, we'll take you into one story that will fascinate and often surprise you. Listen to Latino USA on the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you also have this wonderful opening chapter in the book where you talk all about meeting Oprah. Was yeah, it as magical? Right? It sounds. It sounds as if it was perhaps. Maybe even more magical than like meeting Beyonce. Oh, for sure. She just called you up one day and was like, hey. Well, to be clear, that her chief of staff called me first. I love that she and had the chief of staff. She, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I, th- I thought it was a joke. I thought that somebody was prank, like one of my friends. And I'm like, why would they do that? And then she's like, no, I'm actually being very serious. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. Um, hi. And so then <laughs> she said, you know, Oprah will give you a call. She's out of the country right now but she'd love to talk to you before you you uh come over for lunch and i'm like 
Right. Oh, okay. Um, what's so wonderful is that many years before, when I was in Montecito, where I actually got married, proposed to, and then got married eventually, yeah, yeah. it's all these magical things that happened there. Um, I was sitting at this pizzeria with my ex-husband, and I said, like, Oprah lives around here, and I'm going to meet her one day, and I'm going to have lunch with her, and, like, he looked at me sort of like, okay, <laughs> like, good for you, yeah. but I don't, I don't know. And um, sure enough, many moons later, it happened. Yeah. And this yeah. is like a theme in the book. You talk about like speaking things into existence, believing in yes. your dreams and saying them out loud. Yeah. And making the stuff that you want true. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. I, I mean, we can change. We change our minds. We change our lives. And so if you can, I don't know, I, it sounds so cheesy and corny but if you can believe it you really can achieve it you like you can manifest things into your life just as you can do negative the negative things you can manifest positive yeah and why not focus on the good did you manifest this is us into your life i mean i think i did in 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 so many ways i, I really do um i had always wanted to be a series lead on a show yeah something that was like meaningful and something that people would really you know, get something from and not just like the butt of the joke and something corny. Not that I don't like corny stuff or comedy, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to do something that was going to be, you know, taken seriously and regarded in such a way as it has been. And so, I mean, it's better than I ever even could have dreamed, like dreamed of, but it's definitely something I think that I manifested to some degree. Yeah. What are you trying to manifest right now? Or are you manifested up and you're like, we good? Uh, you know, I'm a busy girl right now. However, <laughs> um, I'd really love to do some music. Yeah. I'd love to um, write an episode of the show. Yeah. I'd like to have a production company, work with some friends who I really love and believe in, help them with their careers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, I got plans. Okay. Okay. You know, I was yeah. reading, so you talked about... Uh, going to church as a kid and enjoying Catholic hymns. I was raised Pentecostal but went to Catholic school. And when you said that you liked the hymn on Eagle's Wings, I was like, yeah, that's the jam. That, Honey, that is the jam. <laughs> it's like, first of all, song. it is so emotional for yes. me. I, it, like, if I hear it, it doesn't matter how it's sung, performed, whatever. I'm like, it's just. It gets you. <gasps> It gets oh, you. I'm so glad that you know that. Oh, How cute. Yeah. From one church Wait, kid to another. Wait, where did you another. grow up? I grew up in San Antonio, so I was also very happy to oh. see you write about experiencing Bill Miller's sweet tea in my fair city. I'm like, yeah. You don't I had to Google because, like, the little mug that I had with all my sweet tea in it, like, yeah. all of it was etched off. And I'm like, what is it? I have to know. I have to be specific. You don't understand. Kevin's like, really? And I'm like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Bill Miller's Barbecue, that was my second job. Our first job, your first job and mine was McDonald's. But I worked at Bill Miller Barbecue, the place with the sweet tea. And uh, I'm telling you. I'll tell you what. If you go back to Bill Miller's, order everything but the chopped beef. Trust me. Don't get the chopped beef. Okay. <laughs> So what I find really interesting about your story is that when you went to Hollywood, well, one, Mm -hmm. I just I I love how all this unfolded for you. Like you were taking like your little sisters and their friends for like a modeling acting audition. And then they saw you and were like, you audition. It opened up a lot of stuff. And then before you know it, you're driving across the country to L.A. to see if things might work out. But you end up 
not as an actor at first, but as an agent. Right. So I had maybe one or two auditions and I was taking kids on auditions and becoming a set nanny. And my manager at the time suggested (laughs) that um, I become my agent's assistant because she was looking for one. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, this is not what I came here for. And like, do you not believe in me? And like, what's going on? It was, it's seemingly self-serving. But what I came to understand through nine years of being an agent, a junior agent, and then an agent was that I learned so much about the business and Mm. things that it feels so empowering when I'm like in a meeting or I look at a contract and I know how to read the verbiage. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, not this. That not is. doing it. It was difficult, though, because it was like watching your boyfriend take another woman out every day uh. and everybody's going on auditions and you're like, yeah, great. Have fun. Uh. Great. And I ate my feelings and I was depressed. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is not what I came here for. Yeah. But I also know, like I stated earlier, that we're here to be of service and. If I couldn't do what I wanted to do, I could at least help people do what they wanted to do. That's a good outlook because I know a lot of folks might get in that funk of not getting what they want and just like give up on it. Like, yeah, those nine years as an agent, was there ever a point where you were like, I'm probably going to be an agent forever? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, right up until I did that arc on American Horror Story, I was ready to move back to Florida and teach preschool again. Really? Really. True story. And then... After Horror Story, I was like, oh, great. Like, my career's going to take off. I, th- The universe is just, it's ready. It's ready for me. Yeah. And then nothing happened uh. for a whole year. I had one or two auditions. Uh-huh. Womp, womp. And then when This Is Us came around, that's when I was on unemployment and I had 81 cents. But you were on unemployment. Account. Correct. Girl. I- I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> okay. People don't realize oh <laughs> the struggle goodness. is so struggle real. struggle is so real. And you were saying you had, what, 81 cents in your bank account. Yes, 81 cents. Whew. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, This Is Us came. And I was, um, one of my friends texted me and suggested that, you know, I go to the audition. And I'm like, well, if you get it for me, I'll go. Because hmm. everybody and their mom wanted to go, you know, and read for this this project, this yeah. pilot, because it was different than anything else that you typically see hmm. during pilot season. And I was like, if you get the audition, I'll go. And... The rest is history. Well, and, and, and well, one, I got to just back it up for a little bit because, like, there have been some seasons in my life where you just, like, watch that bank account hover near zero and you quickly find out some life hacks to stretch that bread, to stretch that yeah. whatever. Yeah. Give me and our yes. listeners a clutch key 81-cent bank account life hack to get through that stuff. You know, rice and pasta go a long way. Mm, you're right. Also, um ramen you can make a you know a soup or you can make them potato chips i'm just saying you gotta, you gotta <laughs> you be gotta versatile do, gotta and <laughs> also don't be afraid to go like sometimes you just gotta go to that food court get those samples and walk oh. back again in an hour yeah i mean I, I actually have friends who have done that and i mean of course i've done it but it's it's difficult because you're like, at what point, like, how much am I sacrificing for what I want to do? Yeah. But I'm not, like, alone in this. Like, Sterling lived in, like, a 6'4 walk-up, no AC. We're talking about the actor Sterling K. Brown. He plays your brother on This Is Us, right? Yeah. Huh. He's like, Chrissy, I used to sleep naked because it was so hot. And, I, wow. you know, I couldn't afford air conditioning. And it was in New York. And I was going to school. And, like, we all have had these kind of crazy struggles or people who've lived in their car. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, like... I'm not alone. Like, we've all really sort of paid our dues. Mm-hmm. And it just makes the success Even so much more sweet. sweeter. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then also, if I was doing this as a young kid, I don't know where I'd be right now. Because 
No. What do you mean? Well, this, you know, I like Hollywood can eat you up alive. That's and true. I think if it happened much sooner, I don't I don't know. Huh. You know, so maybe those nine years of being an agent made you just that much stronger and ready for all of this. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. So I want to talk about your show a little bit, uh, which is just sure. it warms my heart every week. It also makes me cry mm-hmm. every week. Like there'll be some episodes where I'm like, oh, man, I made it through the whole episode without crying and then without mm-hmm. fail in the end credits. I'm crying. But wait, do you have are you married? Do you have kids? No. OK, see. That to me is even more amazing when people haven't experienced that or they're not, you know, a parent or they don't have children and they can still relate to these other stories. I'm like, oh, my gosh, because we don't talk about our feelings. It's so true. It's so true. And like you were saying earlier, once you start talking about your feelings and your experiences, you realize it's really universal. Yeah. We're all going through this stuff. We all want the same thing. We all just want to be loved. That's all we want. Yeah. Were you or are you surprised by the one bonkers, crazy, awesome ratings and incredible <laughs> fan response to your show? Did you expect it to be this big? No. What no. did you expect from it? I, you know, I try to live without expectations. Okay. However, okay. Um, <laughs> I I was like, I just need a job. I just need to pay my bills. Um, and then when people would start sharing these really difficult you know, stories or secrets. They're like, I've never told my husband this. I've never told my, you know, daughter this. And they would share these stories with me in, you know, the grocery store. You know, like they were just sort of seeking an outlet and just wanting to to say, listen, like I'm with you and I hear you and thank you so much because I've never seen my body shape on television. I've Mm. never, you know, I was like, oh, this is something different. It's more than just a television show for entertainment. Is really opening up people's hearts and their minds. And it was probably around the fourth or fifth episode that that started happening. Huh. What's been the most awesome or creepiest bit of fan feedback? Well, last night at this book event, uh, this guy was like, you, you're so beautiful. You are. And his wife was right there. And she's like, okay, okay, honey. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, like, it's very nice, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And then, you know, some people just like bum rush me and kiss me. And I'm like, um, oh, no. This, yeah. This one lady in the airport, I just arrived and she was like, I want to hug you. And I'm like, oh, uh-uh. uh, your body, oh, not hi. hers. Wow. She's like, that's all. I just want to hug you. I'm like, oh, okay. And listen, I come into people's homes every Tuesday night. Yeah. So they think I'm like their girlfriends. And yeah. Like, hey. So I understand. But, and a really funny one was I was, at the mall, and um, a woman was literally almost falling over herself on the escalator because she saw me, and she was on the phone. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, if this woman falls right now because she's trying to know, I'm going to be so upset. And then whoever she was talking to, she's like, I'm talking to my um, my sister, and um, we just love you. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. The next day, I'm traveling out of LAX, uh-huh. and the girl who she was on the phone with, her sister, was at the airport. Stop. I'm like, what? I'm not kidding. You, I'm were not they kidding. stalking you? No, no, no. Can okay. you imagine? We booked a vacation to Cancun just to come <laughs> just see you at the to airport. See you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that exciting. But yeah. no, it was just ironic. And she's like, Oh my God, you met my sister yesterday and you're meeting me today. I'm going on vacation. This is the best day of my life. And um it's wow. it's very, very sweet. See, I always heard that there was a secret LAX terminal for celebrities. You gotta get on that tip. I'm not Beyonce. I don't I don't fly <laughs> private. <laughs> Maybe at one point in time, I might. I have not found the secret tunnel. If anybody knows where it's at, let a sister know. LAX, you hear us? Get at us. We need answers. (laughs) Time for another quick break. 
Coming up, Chrissy tells me all about how the cast of This Is Us is really real friends in real life. All right, BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Berkshire Hathaway Home Services network agents think of real estate as a long game, going beyond the next transaction to form long-term relationships so they can help you when the time is right. Whether you're ready to buy or sell now or thinking about it for tomorrow, get to know a Berkshire Hathaway Home Services network agent today. It's Lulu Miller, and I am back with a new story for Invisibilia. It is about the pleasures. It's just electric. And the dangers. There's just nothing more scary. Of trying to live between two worlds. You can find Invisibilia on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the things that I do with, like, my favorite shows is that I wonder if they all, like, hang out and, like, kick it. (laughs) Offset and off of the screen. Please tell me you and Sterling and all y'all just like go bowling and go on hikes together and kiki it up. Please say you do that. You know, we do love a kiki. However, <laughs> we are also busy, gratefully. Yeah. But we're also busy that we don't get a chance to really hang out. Um, when we do, we'll like have a dinner or, you know, we might just end up hanging out at one of our houses you know what it just it's happened maybe a handful of times okay but y'all do have a text thread right oh for sure does it go down in the text i mean these are some of the most hilarious people and between them and ken olin and dan and john and glenn and all of our producers i mean they (laughs) i'm like i'm not funny enough i'm not smart (laughs) enough i'm not responding forget it i don't care yeah, it's too intimidating. It's so funny. Oh, I'm sure. Do you find yourself with your team kind of offset, falling into the patterns of the relationships that are in the plot lines of the show, or like is it like are the roles totally different off offset? Oh, it's interesting. I think that it informs. Huh. You know, I inform the character. The character informs me. Yeah. You know, um, relationships. I mean, obviously, I've been in 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 several and was married. Yeah. But I also am learning to draw those, like, healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think it was so important for them to write Kate's breakup scene with Toby in the first season because she had to do it for herself. Mm-hmm. You know, and just because she's a plus-size girl, just because a guy was wanting to date her, doesn't mean that she has to date him. You know, like, those those things I think are so important because they're not talked about. They're not ever written about. Mm-hmm. And um, it, to, to some degree, we definitely, you know, inform each other one of the things i was thinking as i read through the book and how you described your early life you know you play a role on this is us where the father to your character is everything to that character and he was a really good man and a really good father but you write in your book about how a lot of the men in your personal life growing up they were in many different ways not the best men, and insufficient. Mm -hmm. And I guess my question for you is, like, having a character who loves her father, who is such a good father in such a wholesome way, how did you channel that, knowing that that might not have been your reality in your life growing up? Yeah. um, So I come from the place of wishing I had that relationship. Mm. And the lack 
of those relationships, they, they fuel the, the emotion for me when I'm doing these very emotional scenes or like losing Milo's character, Jack. And so it's really about the lack of relationship or what I wish might have been. And even sort of living vicariously through this character. Of really? Like this incredible man who, and Milo is, of course, the same way in person. He's just pretty dang close to perfect. Huh. And he's such a great friend. And he's like the captain of the ship. And he's always wa- you know, watching out and looking out for us. Yeah. And so I definitely find myself enjoying that process because oh. i'm like oh it's like a healthy relationship yeah <laughs> he want one of those yeah and, so. and, and it's like a healthy relationship with your character's father and also a man in the show who loves every part of you like it's such a Amen. beautiful relationship he is yes. there for you yes and we all need that and we all want that yeah and that's why i'm uh, layer upon layer of of happiness for just being a, a part of this show yeah, yeah. One of the things I love about the way you write about body image is that you say, and I don't want to get it wrong, you say that the body is just a vessel for the soul. It's not about right. the body, it's about the soul. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. But now you are in this public light where people mm-hmm. see your body and it signifies a lot of things. You know, people put so much on the body of someone who's famous. Do you, oh, of course. Do you think about ever, you know the messages that people pick up from seeing you? Do you want to be a role model for plus-size women? Do you want to be like, or do you just say, you know what, it's about the work? I want it to be about the work. However, we all use what we know Mm -hmm. and use what we are. You know, if someone's tall, they're going to be a basketball player. If they're potentially, unless the storyline is that, you know, they're the shortest person on the team and that's why it's written into the show. You know, like, I think you just, you get cast for for those reasons in particular. And so, I mean, that's like a three-part question because a role model, I don't necessarily think of myself as a role model, but okay. I think that, and the part of the reason why I titled the book Loving Yourself for Who You Are Today is that if you don't love yourself for who you are today, you can never become the person you want to be. Mm. You know, it's so much about, I was always comparing and despairing and like, oh, I'm not skinny, I'm not this, I'm not that. And I'm like, what is this serving? Who is this serving by being so hateful to myself like it doesn't that's not going to get me to the place that I want to be and so once I started to make that shift Mm -hmm. and you accept yourself you're not obsessing about looking a particular way and knowing that it doesn't have anything to do with who you are as a person however what are circumstances whether it's weight or race or age it can really inform and educate people. And when you educate people, the fear goes away. Mm. And I think that was so much of the issue is that everybody's fearful of plus size people because they're lazy, they're in the way, mm. they're this, they're that. And you're like, you have no idea. Like mm-hmm. you don't know what's going on. And we all fill the void with something, whether it's social media, mm-hmm. the opposite sex, gambling, se- whatever it is, we're all filling the void because we don't want to feel the feelings. And so... I hope that it inspires people to just know that just as they are, they're enough. Yeah. Because forever, I I was never felt that way. Yeah. And so once you get into that place emotionally and mentally, you're like, oh, well, if I want to change, great. And if I don't want to, that's great, too. Mm -hmm. And that's people's personal decision. And so you just have to love people for what they are. I love that. Now that you have had this success in this role... Do you think that the industry will pressure you to stay at a certain weight? 
and make oh, that your niche? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. You know, I'm um, leading a movie that I'm starting after the book tour. Ooh, um, can you tell us about yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I can. Um, so what I love about this role is it has nothing to do with weight. It's mm. not even necessarily addressed in like, oh, well, we're going to hire her because this and we have to talk about it in every single interview. It's The story is based on a true story of a woman, Joyce Smith, who her and her husband adopted a little boy from Guatemala on a missions trip when he was five months old. Hmm. They're from St. Louis, and they, you know, cut to 15 years later, he's out on the lake with his friends, and the lake, it's a very warm day, and starts to crack, they all fall in. Two of the boys were rescued, but my son, John Smith, is submerged for 15 minutes under the water, Hmm. and the fact that they even found him was a miracle in itself, Um, but pronounced dead, and by Joyce's faith and her love and the collective consciousness of, of the city and his church and his pastor, um, he came back to life. And huh. it's so incredibly moving. And I, my mom experienced a medical emergency about eight months ago. Mm. And what's wild is that the same things that I said to her doctor, Joyce says to her son's doctors. And I was like, I, I want to do this. Like, yeah. I have to tell this story. And yeah. so it's really, it's exciting because I think that there's nothing more powerful than love yeah, and that unconditional love. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with, you know, being a plus size girl. And so I I think that really once you establish yourself and hopefully people start respecting your craft, it becomes about that. I hear you. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Give folks the favorite piece of advice that you share in the book. Or the one that sticks with you the most or the one that you've, I don't know, the the one that is like the most for you. I think it's just to be reminded that hurt people hurt people. Mm. And that in turn, of course, you understand that nothing is personal. Mm. Yeah. Even if it's abuse or it's all of the way that somebody treats you or neglects you, whatever, that we don't know people's stories and we don't know what they're going through, but we, we can choose how we react to it. And so it's sort of like all of those those things that we've talked about combined yeah. that if you're on this plane of existence, you're, you're here f- for a purpose. Yeah. Last question. I am going to make you give me a newscaster impression before you go. You write in the book a lot that you're good with impressions and that you have a pretty good oh. newscaster voice. Can I get some of that? Um, good morning. Good morning, everybody in the studio. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Ann Curry, and I love her. She's but, a like, sweetie. I interviewed her. She's a sweetheart. Oh, I bet. I I don't even know how anybody can do have a ear like a earpiece, read the prompter, talk about something serious. Well, I tell I you can't. what, we'll switch jobs for a day. I'll let you. No, do we this. won't. I will be this. terrible. Oh my! It's all it's all pre recorded. We'll fix it in post, Brad. It's good. Okay, well then, fair. Okay, then maybe I can do it. I do like to talk to people. Right. So then that means I get yeah. to go to the set of This Is Us. Oh snap! Okay. Thanks, Chrissy. Appreciate you. You're welcome. <laughs> I, you know, no problem. Just let me know when. <laughs> Um, I'm sure you're busy getting on to your next thing, but I got to say this was a high point of my week. I appreciate your positivity and your candor, and you are just an uplifting soul. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank you for this. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Chrissy Metz, thank you for the conversation. Chrissy's book is called This Is Me, Loving the Person You Are Today, and her TV show is called This Is Us. Listeners to this show, if you're enjoying it, 
do us a favor, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Through some magic of technology, that actually helps other people find the show. All right, the show is back on Friday for our weekly wrap, but I won't be here. I'm on vacation, going to a friend's wedding. Uh, in my place, the one and only friend of the show, Sarah McCammon, will be guest hosting this Friday's weekly wrap. Be nice to her, guys. All right, until next time, I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. Talk soon.